ladies and gentlemen, Brandy J's podcast, a voice to be reckoned with, would like to thank you for making the right choice in choosing a podcast that moves a nation. And now, here she is in five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, everyone. If you're tuning in, you're listening to your host, Brandy Singleton, with Voice to be Reckoned With. And today, guys, I have guest Neil Perry Gordon, novelist and author of historical fiction. Guys, Neil Gordon has achieved his personal goals as an author of historical fiction. With his first novel, A Cobbler's Tale, and it was published in the fall of 2018, and with over 54 and 5-star reviews, Praising the story and his writing style, he released his second novel, Moonflower, the following year. In the fall of 2019, the metaphysical fiction sequel to A Cobbler's Tale, The Righteous One, was published. But, let me not give it all away and go ahead and introduce you to our special guest, Neil Perry Gordon. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote. But misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. Their tool, How to Vote, does just that. And these are some examples. You can sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step assistance requesting your ballot, explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot, check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and make sure you have the appropriate ID. Listen up. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Yes, decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Please, go check this out now. everybody welcome back this is brandy J. my show a voice to be reckoned with today i have with me here novelist neil perry gordon neil are you there i'm here brandy thank you you're welcome thank you for coming on and to uh talk about your um your books how are you today i'm well thank you how are you i'm doing good i'm doing good surviving in this uh pandemic 
Yeah, yeah, that's the key. Right, and, right. That none of us has ever seen before. <laughs> yeah, and we're in the New York area, so here it's uh, right in the right in the epicenter of of all of it. But uh, so far, so good. Thank God. Oh wow, New York. Yeah, I've been following that. Uh, you, you're um, is it your, the governor or the mayor? Uh, he um, uh, I, I like him. <laughs> Everyone is falling in love with Cuomo, yeah, with, with Mary, yeah. Uh, Andrew Cuomo. He really yeah. has you guys back in your best interest, and he's like all for, you know what I mean, making sure you guys recover. Yeah, he's, 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 it's a good voice that everyone is relying upon, and, you know, thank God we have him as our governor. Actually, I live in New Jersey. We also have a good governor, but, you know, the New York metropolitan area is just like one big area. So uh, Cuomo speaks for, for many people, uh, many states actually in the Northeast. Yeah, that, that's awesome. He's not just a talker, he's like a doer. He's actually, yeah. you know. And, yeah, and he's also comforting. Yeah. I was like, he's not even lying. I'm like, he comforts me. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, I know. He should run for president. That's what everybody's saying. I know. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, now, I would, um, could you do a leave pleasure or do us the pleasure of letting um the listeners um you know know about your, what you do in your books and um yeah just enlighten us well i'm a i'm a novelist most of my books are in the genre of historical fiction uh, i have right now four books that are published and available on amazon in both ebook and paperback uh, two of my books, the first two books, are also available in audiobook, and the last two are being recorded right now for audiobook as well. I have a fifth book that's going to be published sometime in June, and I have a, uh, a manuscript I just finished, um, which we'll, I have to then go through a couple of drafts, have to go through work with my editor, and so that probably we're looking at an August, September publishing date for that. So uh, there's a lot of content, a lot of stuff I have there. I've written quite a bit. And um, yeah, I'm a writer. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I see you have like, um, do you have any favorites? You have like the, the Bomb Squad or uh, Moonflower? You know, it's like asking who's your favorite child. So um, <laughs> I can't, I, I, even my editor, we, you know, we were talking, she was telling me, I can't even tell you which is my favorite she was saying about my books um but i like the i like my new books uh i'm i'm happy for the books i've I just finished because i feel every time um that i write a new book it's better than the previous one so uh though i still get great reviews even my first book a cobbler's tale um people tell me that's their favorite and that was my first um so um yeah, I don't have favorites because they're all different. They're all different learning experiences for me. Um, each time I, I put, you know, sit down and start to write, I, I use from what I learned before. So, um, you know, it's not like I'm just, you know, plopping out an egg and then mm -hmm. putting all the eggs next to each other and think, look at which is the prettiest one. It's, they're all, it has to have a life of its own. So, yeah, there's no favorites. There's just learning experiences. Okay, okay. So what would, you, uh, what would you say for each um, or each one of your book, or maybe hone in on one, like um, a, a cobbler's tale? Like, where did you pull your uh, your inspiration from? What, how did you come about? Well, that I pulled it out from my great grandparents. They actually uh, the story's based on their lives, 
uh, though I embellished their lives quite a bit and, and made my great-grandfather much more heroic than he was uh, <laughs> and much more adventurous. Um, so yeah, a story about uh, their, how they immigrated to America in the early 1900s. Actually, my great-grandfather came first in 1910. So they lived in a, in a shtetl, which is a Jewish village in what is now Southern Poland. And he came first, leaving behind his pregnant wife and three children. And one of those children was my grandfather, uh, leaving them behind while he came to New York, to the Lower East Side to get established, open up his business, find a place to live, which was very common for a lot of men to do that. They would come first and leave their families behind. So, you know, try to, you know, manage the, the risk of what they were doing. So um, he came and then he got caught up uh, in, the, um, in the excitement of being here because when he was living in, in Poland, um, he was a cobbler. And there was two types of people back then. There were the growing up as children and, and teenagers. You were either a Torah scholar or you went into your father's business. Um, and those who went to the father's business was, were not as respected as the Torah scholars were. If a woman, a young lady, a young girl got to marry into a Torah scholar, that was like, you know, the ultimate. And, you know, second best was marrying the butcher's son or the baker's son. Um, so he was not respected and he resented that a great deal. And then when he came to America, all of a sudden the tables were turned. Um, all of a sudden the cobblers were, had work to do and jobs and were being respected. The, uh, the carpenters were and the, and the butchers and the bakers. And all of a sudden, all those Torah scholars who was, had all the prestige and honor and, and respect, they couldn't find work and they lost all the respect they had. So the tables were turned. He, was the, he had all the respect now and uh, he loved it and he, he feasted upon it. And he sort of forgot about his family in a way. And uh, a couple of years, just to go back in a year, he sort of, he dilly-dallied a while. And a couple of years later, World War I broke out and they were stuck in the middle of a war and he couldn't go back. So I'll leave the story there because I don't want to provide any spoilers. But <laughs> that, that's the cobbler's tale. That's my first novel. Wow. So I guess uh, since we're not, we don't want to give, give any spoilers, no, uh, I know you have the, the second installment with The Righteous One, right? Yeah, The Righteous One is uh, the second book to a cobbler's tale. It, it, takes, uh, it takes place, where well, this book takes place mostly around 1910 to 1919 in those years. The cobbler, uh, Righteous One takes place in 1960, where my grandfather, who was a child in the first book, is now a 60-year-old man. And he, ha he is, um, which we talk about in the first book, he has this um, ability of um, connecting with people in a very spiritual way. Um, he's known as a, a tzaddik, which a tzaddik uh, in the Kabbalic mysticism means that there are only 36 tzaddik on the earth at any one time. And God has put these men or women on earth and they're, they're his hands upon earth. So as a tzaddik, he, he's like an empath. So he, he's very open and when he, when he, when you meet him and you greet him, you know, you could be sad, you could be upset, you could be depressed, but you leave feeling good. You know, he has this ability of, of making people uh, elated, 
Uh, he also has the ability of, of when someone is, is in pain or just about to pass, he can make that connection to God, to Hashem uh, at that moment and, and make that, 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 that physical connection, right? Or that spiritual connection uh, as they're about to pass. So he has this power though. He's never, so since he was a child, he's not put it much to use, um, but he has uh, he's been called upon uh, in the righteous one to resurrect these powers uh, and fight the evil counterpart to the tzaddik, which is called the Rasha. And the Rasha is this 90 year old man who is a gangster in New York City and has this ability of foreseeing, of foreshadowing, of foretelling events that were about to happen through his dreams. Uh, and he became very rich because of this skill. And he learned how to live in, his dream, in the dream world. So um, Moshe, uh, my tzaddik, has to learn how to also live in the dream world because that's the only place where the battle between good and evil, between the tzaddik and the rasha can take place. So this is not historical fiction, this is metaphysical fiction. I talk about the idea of the consciousness, the journey of the consciousness, and, um, and how what happens to the human body after we die and does the consciousness live on. Um, I would talk about lucid dreaming and how to be awake in your dreams um, and the freedom that one has by being aware of, of your, when you're dreaming that you are uh, in this mode and, and how you could actually move about and do things that you could not normally do when you're awake. So that's, that gives a little bit of background about the righteous one. Okay. Very, very interesting. I'm like, forgot I was the host for a minute. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so with, cause you have various, uh, ways you go with your with your your writing you know you're not just a one stop or you know you keep it very interesting and something different where what where exactly um when did you see what i'm trying to how i'm trying to form this question with the right type of writing that you do what where does that come come from like your creativity basically well, I write what I call organically, so I don't have an outline. So I'll begin with an idea uh, of a story. Uh, I know where it begins. I, I sort of know where it ends. I know my characters, my main characters, uh, but I don't know how we're gonna get there. So I know where we are today. I know where I wanted to end 80,000 words down the road, uh, but that journey in between, I don't know until I write. So as I write, um, I write where my story takes me. So I'm, I'm surprised where I'm going along this journey. Uh, I like doing it that way because if I'm surprised, I, the reader is surprised. I like to add twists and turns. Uh, people tell me, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's, that's something I always strive for. Um, so yeah, I don't write with an outline. I write organically. I write uh, as it comes. Uh, so that's my process and how I do it. Um, I love the creative uh, outlet that it provides. I like being a writer. It's very easy in terms of uh, all you need is a laptop mm -hmm. uh, and you don't need to uh, have lots of stuff like a painter has to have brushes and paint and, a, and an easel and a place to paint and drop cloths and then you have to clean up when you're done. You know, I was painting for a while. I'm going, this is way too much work. <laughs> uh, and I don't think I could have been a writer 20 years ago 
with, without a laptop, writing with a typewriter, and having to do my research at the library. I wouldn't, you know, it would have taken forever to get a book done. So uh, yeah, it's very convenient now having people say, how do you do your research? Uh, I do it as I write because I'm writing historical fiction. So I want to get historical events in my story. So as I'm writing along, I, I'll be researching my story from the day I start writing to, 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 the, to when I write the part when I finish, when I write the end. Uh, so it's a continuous um, process of research as well as creativity and trying to, you know, to manage the mechanics of a story uh, and making sure everything works. And then also once I'm done, then, then it goes to the editor and then we have to, you know, then work together on uh, polishing it up and making sure everything uh, makes sense and uh, the development of the story uh, works. And, um, you know, sometimes she knows me really well now after four books, actually, my, actually she's work, just finishing up my fifth book, um, to know where I need to draw things out. She knows where I'm good at and she knows my weaknesses. So she'll push certain, she says, no, come on. This, we've talked about this before. This is what you got to work on. So that's, that helps me. And, uh, and that's how I do it. Okay. Okay. So, now, so okay. What, what, do you, what do you wish that you had known when you started, um, started out writing? Like what I wish I would have known? From now then um well well you know i learned a lot in terms of writing i wish i what i what i wish i'd have known i, I could have, wish i would have done this earlier in my life um because i could have written much more than i've written now um but um you know it's hard to know what you wish you would have known because you know i i couldn't have be where i'm at today with my writing if i didn't go through the process of what I've done. There's no shortcuts to this. There's no shortcuts in writing a 80,000 word novel. Um, you know, it's, it, takes, it takes a lot of hard work to do it. It takes a lot of time. Um, so, you know, it's, it takes months and, and it just to get the writing done and takes months for the editing and then everything else that's involved. Um, you know, that's why I, I really respect uh, writers for what they're producing. You know, someone who paints um, or, you know, it doesn't take as long to do a painting. It doesn't take months usually. It doesn't take months to write a song, um, but it takes months to write a story. It also, on the other hand, as a patron of the arts, it doesn't take long to, doesn't take long to listen to a song or listen to an album or do it or go to a concert, nor does it take long to look at a painting or go to a museum. Uh, but it takes a long time for someone to read a book takes weeks and sometimes months. So, you know, the process that the writer takes to get the book onto, into someone's hands and then the process for the reader to read it uh, and then absorb it, is, it takes time. Everyone makes a big investment of time. So that's when readers come back to me and are um, sharing that they like the book. To me, that's, I'm like very appreciative of that and grateful and uh, show my gratitude to people who, uh, are able to invest so much of the time in something that I've created. So um, I've learned that over the time that uh, it's a lot of gratitude that's in, involved in, in the writing process. Um, it's, not, it's not ego so much, though I do feel good when people are happy with, to tell me what they've done. It's, 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 it's gratitude and, and that's what keeps me going and, and keeps me pushing. Uh, yeah. I keep wanting to continue to write. For sure. 
because I guess, you know, in actuality, because, you know, I like to, I like to um, write, write too. And I've been in a space where, and I, it's funny because you're saying like, when you said painting, I was like, I looked over at my painting because I, 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 I used to write from when I was a little girl. Now I, I paint too, but I've, I've, you know, went back to um, trying to pull, you know, that writing back out of me. So I, you know, um, in this stage where, to be honest with you, I don't even know. I'm just kind of just, sometimes I'm in it and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I? Cause I, cause I know it takes a lot. Like you said, it's not, it's, it takes, it's not, it doesn't take long to, to look at a painting or to, you know, but on the other end, you know, it takes the process because it's a story. And I guess I'm learning that you have to really, you draw your readers in, you have to make, make it, they have to feel like they're there. You know, when you read the books, you can see it. You don't even have a picture book, but you, you visually feel like you, you know, you know, you know where you are. And, and that takes a lot and a lot of talent to be that descriptive, it, to, you know, to bring somebody in like that. Exactly. So, I mean, you paint, so you know what it's like to paint, um, you know, <laughs> and the whole the work that's involved in, in doing it. So, yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's how I find it. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, what was the most common um, reason for people uh, failing or, or giving up when it comes to uh, this? But I guess in the way you kind of said everything that you have to do. So would you think that's the reason why some people may give up is because of all the yeah, work? Yeah, well, you know, it's what happens in, in, I think, my opinion, how I look at it, uh, what happens in life and when, it, when we ever get up to something that, a barrier, you know, people call it, maybe call it writer's block or whatever it may be, some sort of creative block or, or some, something that, that stops you. So it's, it's, it's this barrier that gets in your way. You have to push through it. You got to push through that barrier, you know, and, and you have to be able to, keep doing that. Otherwise, you won't get finished. People will just give up. Uh, that's why so many, you know, people, oh, I've been writing my story for 20 years. Yeah, but why? I mean, no story takes 20 years to write. Um, you know, it's uh, they, because you're just not able to push through those barriers. Um, you know, that takes discipline. It takes, it takes effort. Um, that's the toughest part. Um, you know, as a teacher, you know that, you know, students want to give up. They don't yeah. want it when something gets tough. They they just want to stop. But you know, it's those students that push through that block that can excel um, yeah. and and actually learn. Um, you know, you get to uh, you you have a reading assignment at night and and you read two pages and you're like oh, I'm bored or I don't want to do this or whatever. You know, I'm just distracted. I want to watch TV. No, you got to push through it. You got to finish. And that's that's. That's the discipline that, that creates the differences between those who get something done and those who don't. Yes, exactly. Hey there, ladies and gents. A quick word from your host, Brandy Singleton. During this time of the pandemic, let's please remember to follow our state safety guidelines. And also, let's remember that it only takes one person to affect many. Thank you and much love from me to all of you. So now let's continue on with our show with novelist Neil Gordon. Yeah, well, you can go to my website, which is uh, neilperrygordon.com, uh, N-E-I-L-P-E-R-R-Y-G-O-R-D-O-N.com. And you'll see everything there um, that, I, that, I, that I've done. Uh, my latest book is The Bomb Squad. That's a historical fiction book. Uh, takes place uh, in 1916, right before the U.S. enters World War I. 
and it's a story between two German Americans. One uh, is uh, a doctor who's an administrator of Ellis Island Hospital and a German spy who's uh, intent on causing havoc here in the New York metropolitan area to prevent the United States from entering the war. And the other German American is uh, a patriot, but American patriot and a New York City police detective who's recruited by the British Secret Intelligence Service to start the bomb squad. And they, this is the clash of the patriots, I call it. So two men who both believe in their cause, who both believe that what they're doing is the right thing. Uh, both believe they're on the right side of history. Uh, obviously one is and one's not. Uh, and that this is the, the, the conflict between these two men. And that's what the bomb squad is all about. And I'm happy to offer to your your audience a free download of my new book, PDF. All they have to do is email me their, uh, send me an email, and I will return to them a PDF copy of the book. And why am I doing this? Well, because I need reviews. Reviews help me sell books. And um, I'm happy to offer my book to people who will read it and provide reviews for me on Amazon. So uh, my email address is neilperrygordon at gmail.com. So uh, it's all I ask to send me a, 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 an email, say you want the book, I'm happy to send you a PDF. And then all I ask is read it and leave me a nice review if you don't mind. I'll take one second. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to. Thank you, that's so awesome. Yes, and I'll definitely um, put that into um, my show, um, my show notes, and um, on my social media too. So, to um, let people know, to, uh, check to check you out, because then they'll also get to see all your other, you know, your cool, um, yeah, your cool books. So that's really awesome. I guess it's safe to say that history, I'll, I'll say, is your uh, favorite. What's your favorite topic? I like historical fiction. I like the genre of historical fiction. I, I love history. Um, mm -hmm. I love. I love writing about historical fiction because it gives me a nice backdrop to my stories of real events. And oh, okay. th that's, the, that's the genre I like reading. Therefore, it's a genre I like writing, though I do have a lot of metaphysical uh, parts of my books that I add to it. Um, though Bomb Squad is pretty straight up, there's nothing metaphysical there, but all my other books have something, Righteous One especially, uh, but all the other books as well have some sort of spiritual aspect to it. Um, I always love adding that. And in my new book that's coming out called Hope City, uh, that'll be out in June. Uh, that too has some metaphysical aspects to it, but that's also uh, historical fiction, mostly. It takes place in 1898 uh, in Alaska during the gold rush. And uh, it's, it's a, during the summer of 1898, two, two boys from San Francisco graduate from high school and head up to Alaska searching for gold. And that's uh, what I'll say about that book. And just keep your eyes out, and that should be out sometime in June. Okay, most definitely. Hmm. Said Alaska, so I'm not going to ask any questions because you don't want to give anything away. Something about Alaska. I have so many <laughs> questions when it when it comes to Alaska. Something about that place and tree. Oh yeah, I go up every I go every summer to Alaska. I have friends up there, so that's why I wrote this book. Um, so Ooh. I I frequent there quite a bit. I've been up there over a dozen times. Yeah. Okay, but I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you. Okay, so have you been there? Okay, so there's this the thing where Alaska is dark for right, like a certain amount of time. Yeah, well, in the summertime you have light pretty much 
all day. There's about an hour or two in the middle of the summer where it does get dark. Uh, that's in the Anchorage, the southern part of Alaska. But in northern part of Alaska, you, there is no, there's no nighttime, you know, when you get to the north, north slope area. There it's 24 hours, it's pure daylight. But in the middle of winter, it really never gets light. So uh, you, yeah, you have that in, in the north, northern hemisphere. Um, where you have uh, those extreme uh, movements in, in daylight and, and nighttime. It's interesting, in, during the summer, since you have so much daylight, you know, 22 hours of sunlight, many times, is that the plants grow quickly. Even mm -hmm. though the, the season is short, I mean, right now, this, you know, this, there's still some snow up there. Uh, the summertime up there is, is, is a short, very short season, but the plants grow so fast, it's like, and, the, and it's so you, when you take hikes in the woods, everything is so lush and so green because you're getting so much for the synthesis from the sun uh, because you get so much daylight. Whereas here, you know, sometime it could stay light till nine o'clock, um, but you could be, it could be midnight, one o'clock in the morning and it's bright as day, midday in Alaska. Uh, so that's fun. You like, you, you know, usually you're like ready to go to bed and 12 <laughs> o'clock at night, you're still running around, it's, you know, it's still light out. Yeah. That is so intriguing. That's amazing. I know that would be weird to get used to because, you know, I usually, even when we have like, uh, you know, the daylight, uh, you know, savings and all, it, I associate dark with sleepy time. So, <laughs> or like, you know, and then like when it's light, I'm like, this is, you know, just as live as ever. So, you know, I guess that would, someone new coming in, that'd probably be like such an adjustment. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Well, Neil, so, is there anything that you could say that from what you've done now that you want to venture into, like any type of writing or something you've been thinking about? Uh, well, well, yeah. Well, the, my, the manuscript I just finished now it goes to a place I'd never gone before. So it, it does push me into some areas that I would never have felt comfortable before. Because I think as an artist, you want to be able to expand and go to places that, you know, that challenges you. Yeah. that you feel uncomfortable with. Um, so I've tried to go there with this story. Um, and I, of course, I want to expand. I want to learn. I want to grow as a writer. I want to be able to express myself in new ways um, because I don't want to keep writing the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's not that I'm writing the same story, but, you know, you get stuck in a style. Um, yeah. I don't know how writers, like, you know, people who wrote, you know, you know the, the series of James Bonds and Sherlock Holmes and, you know, the Hardy Boys and all those types of series they wrote, and they're very successful, of course, um, but the, the main character was the same character, always and always in the same type of story. You just feel, you know, this changed some of the settings and the story's always the same. Um, it, you know, people like reading that, but, you know, it's kind of boring to keep writing it. I don't think you grow as a writer. Uh, though I wouldn't argue with the success if something like that did happen, for sure. But I do try to find new ways and new avenues to express myself. It's just, it's, I guess it's just like a venture for you, just as the reader. And when you, when you're, they're reading, you know, you're writing, and then as you're writing it, it's, uh, you know, you're like on, on this journey also yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's a journey from from start to finish, without a doubt. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Okay, I, I appreciate um, what you what you're sharing too, because I know there's uh, many. I know of many people that are, you know writing either it's film or or books you know and so i know this right here would be something to to help others to 
you know, to pull from and to see, obviously, like you said, there's no shortcuts. It's not going to, it's not easy. It's hard work. That's for sure. There are no shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. Some people just want to get right to, you know, get to that, that place because you could see your beginning. You know, you see all the stuff that you want to put into the story and you're excited about, you know, taking it to that place where like, you're like, oh, this is going to be so cool, so good. But, you know, you have to like write it first. <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't mean i get impatient sometimes i'm just like my mind is going way faster than my hand can go <laughs> yeah so, no for sure <laughs> okay so neil i wanted to i sometimes i ask um questions just to, so uh, listeners can get to know nothing crazy <laughs> to get to know the guests um a little lighter note and stuff so i would say what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yeah. You have a favorite word? Uh, I have lots of words. I'm a writer, so I have a, <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of words that I love. I don't know. Favorite word. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Um, well, I know. I... I as someone who writes with millions of words, I don't have a favorite word. I could think of one word that's my favorite. The one you use often. Well, that's the key about writing. You don't want to use the same words too often. You know, you, you'll you'll go back and look at your writing. You want to make sure that you're not repeating the same words over and over again to describe it. Um, you know what? I'll say my favorite word is prolific. That is something that I try to believe in to to make sure that I I keep producing creative work. So my favorite word. I'll, I'll deem it as prolific. Okay, okay. Could you, for some of the listeners that are not very sure of what prolific is, can you uh, kind of give them a gist of what the word? Yeah, just, you know, keep, in, keep on being productive, keep on producing. Um, you know, if you look at like lives of, of famous people, like Benjamin Franklin, um, he was prolific till his 90s, until he died. I mean, he, he was... He started as a young man and, and he, you know, there was no such thing as retirement. If you see, look at his life, uh, or, or like Picasso, for example, painting until his last breath, um, that to me is being prolific and the, the, the volume of work that they produce over a lifetime. Um, another good word I like too is legacy, which sort of ties into pr prolific because, you know, you're prolific in what you produce and legacy is what you leave behind uh, as, as a memory once you're gone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I could try those, I have two words. <laughs> I couldn't think of any, now I have two. <laughs> See, there you go. I love, I love legacy too. I, um, I had a, I think it's still in there. So sad if I can't remember in my, in my uh, title of what's be reckoned with, I think I have in parentheses, what is your legacy or what, what, you, what do you want your legacy to be? Sometimes I have these theme titles and, um, kind of, for me, it meant like, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to remember exactly. about you? You know, and I think that's important. You want, to, you know, people to remember you. You know, I, I think it's really important that people think about that. Well, do you want people to remember you as a, a horrible, basically a person or whatever? You know, because I know for me that, that that's something that sticks with me, and I'm like, my memory. I don't want it to be something that makes people not. <laughs> look at me in a good manner but I also want it to be powerful that I, I've done right. something I've left something behind and I've exactly. really touched lives or something you know absolutely so I think we all have purpose exactly. so, 
for sure. Okay. So do you, can you see yourself um, possibly, you know, what, what we're going through right now with this pandemic, can you, have you thought of, you know, any ideas or has it, you know, came across uh, to where you might end up writing about it or? Well, I don't know if I'll write about the pandemic itself, but I'll write about what I've learned from human behavior from it, um, because that has given me you know, opened up a lot of a lot of uh, people's emotions and and brought it to surface. Um, just walking to the grocery store and just you know, even though people are wearing masks, it's amazing how much you could find by just looking into people's eyes. You know how yeah. frightened they are. Um, oh so so there's a lot of insights to all this. A lot of insights to the heroes who are out there and all and serving everyone and healthcare workers and people working in grocery stores and first responders and such. Uh, the heroics there of people who are, who are being called uh, to, to step up and, and protect everybody else, um, you know, and, and how brave they are. Uh, so yeah, I may not write about it now, but I'm learning from the behaviors that I'm witnessing and, and, yeah. and that's that's something very um, enlightening for me. Yeah, very much so. That was very powerful what you said, Neil. You know about the with the whole mask because that's to for me. You know, since that's all I can do, and I try and well, I go when I have to, when I have to go to the store. You know, and I noticed that that you know with the the mask and everything, and just how uh, different it is, and 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 then the energy, and then you know everyone in the store is just so the level is just so different and it's like I don't know if it's walking on needles and pins but like you said the eyes and you could tell that the fear or the confusion it's like either fear or confusion or I don't want to it's not it's not more of I haven't really seen a lot of I don't want to get sick you know what I mean it's more like I I don't want to get you or you know overstep a boundary or they just kind of just don't know you know like yeah. what's a, even the store the, the people in the store yeah you know what I mean they just want it, it's it's crazy and this is all from just the eyes <laughs> alone i see fear i see i see uh kindness kind of empathy yeah uh just a lot of different feelings and emotions yeah yeah absolutely they actually are bringing people together but in, with the social distancing in place but actually kind of bonding together and bringing people together it's weird yeah even though we're separated we're still feel that we have to make these connections to people and we're trying to do it in new ways. Yeah, yeah. I hope when this is all done that that's, I always ask people, what do you want to keep from all of this that we learned? I want, I hope that still keeps going, the connections yeah. and right. everything. So yeah, mm -hmm. most definitely. Okay. Well, I've really enjoyed you very much though. I could, I could keep going, <laughs> okay. you, you know, especially with your, with your work. And if there's um, anything else that you want to bring to light right now or to, to share, the, the floor is completely yours. You well, know, I don't want to I appreciate you. that. I just go to my website, send me your email. I'd love to share my book with you. Uh, I'd love for you to leave me reviews. Um, and I'm just reaching out. You know, the reason why I do these podcasts is to create awareness that I'm here and I'm a writer and I'm trying to share my work with people. And I understand that the time it takes to read someone's work is, is, is quite an investment. And um, I'm grateful for that when people do do that. Um, and, and my favorite topic when people say, cool, can we talk about your book? I'm like, 
yeah, I, there's nothing more I love talking about yeah. <laughs> my book. So yeah, I like that. All keeps me very happy. So yeah, uh, that's that's how I, I I'll wrap it up, I guess. Okay, that's cool. Okay, and I'm definitely on on my part. I'm excited. I'll definitely um be helping. I guess I can say uh help support and you know push along and and put it out there as much as I can. Thank you. And maybe in the future we can come come back, you know, every, you know, let people uh, download and, and get, you know, what you offered and maybe we can come back and do like a update or a Q&A or, you know, if anybody wants to ask yeah. any questions or something, would you be interested in that? Absolutely, of course. Okay, I think that would be really, really fun. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of book readers, so okay. <laughs> well, Neil, you have been a pleasure. I'm so excited that we got to do this. I hope you had a good time too. I did very much. Thank you, Brandy. So welcome, and you're welcome here anytime to promote anything you have on my show. You're now a member, a family member of the Voice We Reckon With. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Bill Perry Gordon. Everybody, alrighty. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay.